Unbecoming of Age, the podcast. A cautionary tale. Listen to what they say, then do the opposite. Your hosts, Colin Flynn and John M. Craig. Yeah. What? 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 Colin, I fucked up. Yeah. T-H-O-D, man. M-E-T-H-O-D, man. M-E-T-H-O-D, man. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I realized that when we recorded uh, episode 16 uh, with my son Cameron, it must have thrown me off my game because I failed to mention Wu-Tang you Clan. Went, you went to, to, was it middle school? Went to middle school with three of the members. I, that might be less than 33% of, I really don't know, I don't know how many members are officially in the Wu-Tang Clan. Yes, I think it's kind of a moving target, but yeah, well, we got to it right away. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to get it out of the way. I wanted to get it away. I mean, I might have to bring it up later at the end. I might need to close out the show with something. A little uh, method man. Yeah, yeah, he's good. I like him. He's actually a talented uh, actor, too. I like him and everything he's in. He was in The Wire. Was he in The Wire? Because I started watching that again the other night. Uh, season one. I've watched uh, first like four episodes. When does he start in? When, what, what, where's he at? I don't know. I've only seen a couple of episodes, sadly to say. Total? You've never watched the whole thing? No, I have not. Oh man, that's TV classic stuff right there. That is like yeah, I've uh, heard it's one of the best. It is. It is absolutely. It is. It is. It is. So yeah, I'm into it a ways again and uh, remembering some of the old stuff. But um, yeah, I love love the wire. Absolutely. It's it's so dated. It's it's so weird to watch now because. The whole premise is that they're trying to, you know, track this drug gang at using a wire tap, the wire, and um, the the wire tap initially starts off. You know, they're having this confusion uh, in season one, exactly uh, how to figure out what's up with their pagers that they're using, and then uh, eventually it morphs over into a problem of how they're going to uh, how they're going to tap cell phones and what they're going to do with that. But at the beginning, it's all about the pagers, so. <laughs> You know, uh, it's been a while since we've thought about pagers. As a I used to have one. Method. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, color, what color was it? It was black. It was just uh, straight up black. It was a, a company called Smart Beep. Yeah. And uh, I think I paid $1.99 per month. And I worked in I worked in uh, television and film production back then, and you kind of needed one. Yeah. You at know. one at one point yeah. I had it, it was mine was kind of a blue a blue shade I thought it was pretty dope man I thought it was the, the shit having the blue pager I was in a restaurant a couple of years ago and someone's pager went off it's like time travel I turned out that the guy was a doctor I was like you still have pagers yeah doctors still use them I think it's uh, still part of what they're doing which is strange do, do, uh, what about drug dealers do they still use them no, they, I think they're in, uh, into burners. The burners are still kind of a kind of a deal, from what I can t- tell, just from TV. But uh, yeah, burners can't track the burners if you're uh, smart about it. So yeah, but uh, I don't know. I don't know a lot of drug dealers. I, I should, uh, you know, I, know, I was gonna say I should know more drug dealers, but maybe not. Maybe that's. I, I don't think I've ever known a drug dealer, or or I don't think I've ever been close with a drug dealer. Really. Never? Not really. I mean, I think I, well, I've known a couple of people who have dabbled. You know, they can get you good stuff. Yeah. But I, I guess that makes them a drug dealer. I've known, yeah. Yeah, it, it usually does. <laughs> you, no. you know what I mean? But it's like, but I like put a little asterisk next to it. I'm like, yeah. That's my friend from college. He just knows where to get good stuff. Yeah. He's not, I, I don't know. I knew a couple of people that were uh, straight up balls deep into the uh, into the selling of drugs, into the importing of drugs. I had a uh, 
an acquaintance, a, a friend of mine that uh, was, uh, you know, when you they tell all these stories, and we've seen all of the uh, stuff about the you know Medellin uh, drug cartel and all the all the you know there's all sorts of uh, of TV lore about that stuff now about you know what went on with the with the Colombians and, and uh, the cocaine cocaine and all that stuff and and usually uh, all of that conversation is centered around Miami and uh, you know Florida South Florida and all that but they they couldn't have, Pablo Escobar couldn't have gotten the uh, many tons of millions of dollars that he that he managed to uh, amass if not for the fact that they were selling that shit all over the United States and even where I lived in you know, the uh, uh, upper Midwest there was uh, cocaine all over and uh, it, you know all came from there and a friend of mine was uh, very tapped into that that stuff and uh, uh, it became a st- strange story in that his mother caught him with all the cash so at, at one point or a bunch of cash and they they, they uh yeah oh you've told me this story did we talk yeah. about it on here maybe we, we, we may have we may have so i won't repeat it but yeah yeah there's i've, I've known a couple of people that have done a, a bunch of drugs uh, well uh, it, well done but sold sold drugs yeah Right. Yeah, I think when you when you get when you get deep into uh, dealing drugs or any illegal activity, is uh, what's your exit strategy? You know what I mean? Like if if it gets right. to that point where you're like, I got to get out. But let's say you're a high performer. I don't think your uh, your um, supervisor wants you to uh, get out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's a tough tough deal. I think for for the most part, especially if you do have uh, if you have money. What do you do with the money? And uh, if you have the connections that go back to the drug cartels, in in this case, the, that was a situation. If you have people that are uh, after you. <laughs> This becomes a problem, you know. This becomes something you got to solve. A way to way to get out. So, I, I think you open up a car wash. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I've heard. I don't know. I just I, I saw that somewhere. Read that somewhere or something. Yeah, I think. good good TV show could be had from that. If you if you uh, if you could put that into a TV show, man, that would, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, TV shows, uh, I actually saw Saul the other night on Did Saturday you? night. I saw Saul. Yeah. I um I went to um. Saturday Night Live as a my my friend from college uh, he is a first year writer on Saturday Night Live pretty right. much a dream job for him mm-hmm. you know it's uh, and uh, so he invited me up to see the show and I watched it from the writers room oh really wow yeah wow. so the writers room is like a conference room you know big table probably you know about twenty seats and you know there are curtains and the curtains you look there's a window you look down onto the stage really. But during the live show, those curtains are supposed to stay closed. Someone did cheat and stood up and peeked their head uh, for the musical guest, SZA. SZA. Yeah, I don't know much about SZA, but she seemed very talented. Um, They let you go down to watch the musical act, but it was so crowded that night. So I was at one point, so I'm sitting in the writer's room. You know, you you go to 30 Rockefeller Plaza, you know, that's... Same yeah. place that they do, uh, you know, what's that show with Alec Baldwin and Tina Fey? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, 30, I don't know what it's called. 30 Rock. 30 Rock. There you go. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you go there and you line up at 11 o'clock and then they, we're here to see the writers. And then while you're waiting up against the wall, they keep telling you to move. You know, it's like a retired cop who's like the security guy and, a, and an NBC page. And, uh, then you'd see these people coming. You'd be like, "That's an actor. That's an actor. Who's that?" And they're usually guests of cast members, so they get to go up 
and they'll get to hang out in the cast member's dressing room and watch it in there and kind of hang out. Really? Okay. Yeah. At one point, I, went, I got up to go to the bathroom during a commercial break, and I walked by Lindsay Lohan. Like, that oh, that's right. She was in town. I saw that. Yeah. I don't know why she was in town. I don't know anything about it. I just know that she was at the show. I saw a TMZ fauna around, and it sounded oh, really? like it had something to do with she's trying to do something uh, with her musical career, but she's living in London. But uh, Okay. Yeah, All right. She, yeah, yeah. I, did, I haven't heard much about her, but there she was. I, was like, I did like a double take. Oh, that's... Uh, How'd she look? Lauren. How'd she look? She looked good. She looked yeah. good. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. feel bad for her because I always thought yeah, she seems, uh, even though I know she she went through all of her her travails and troubles and all that stuff, but for some reason to me she always struck me as having sort of a I don't know just a, just an innocence about her. And maybe I'm giving her more credit than this due, but I, I always felt bad for her, and and I felt good when she finally got s- enough sense to to get over into Europe and get away from all the shit that was that was, right. do- that was dogging her. So yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Drew Barrymore came out the other end, all right. Yeah, it seemed seemingly, yeah. It, no, it seemed, yeah, who knows. Uh, but then, so I saw uh, Bob Odenkirk. Did um, you really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, right. he was there. And now I realized the reason he was there, he was in, he's in James Franco's movie, um, The Disaster Artist. Uh, right. Seth Rogen, uh, he and um, James Franco are very good friends. They've been friends for a long time. They were on Freaks and Geeks together. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Hill, also another friend of Franco's, uh, was there. And uh, at the after party, Franco hosted, right? Yeah, yeah. James Franco hosted, and uh, James Franco's brother Dave Franco was there. He's also in the Disaster Artist. I saw uh, at the after party. I saw Keegan Michael Key, and I and I as I was walking in, Keegan Michael Key was walking out, and that's the guy from Key and Peele. He is also in the Disaster Artist, very small part, playing himself, and uh, and I saw. He's walking out. Franco's passing him and says, "I'll see you tomorrow." And then I realize, oh, okay, they work together. Right. I don't think that all celebrities know one another and are friends. That's just like um, a myth. But uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you, uh, yeah. But you, anyway, you'd, you'd think maybe they'd know each other somehow, but probably, probably not. Not always. So, so then, um, the most fascinating one that was there was Bill Nye, the Science Guy. Oh my God! He was at the after party. Did he look strange? No, he looked exactly like Bill Nye the Science Guy, dressed. Bill, Bill Nye the pretending to be a science guy. <laughs> I don't know what his story really is, but man, I guess the social media stuff and him being an um, an atheist and uh, just going out against anyone and everyone for something. Um, there were like at least six, seven beautiful women, and he was just holding court talking to these women. I was like, no kidding. Oh. Yeah. See, see, this is this kind of gets back to, uh, and I, I, I didn't say anything out loud. I should have on here, but I, when um, all of this stuff with the Me Too uh, junk was coming out, and uh, everybody's trying to guess who's going to be next, or you know what, what, uh, what, you know what's what's the next uh, thing going to happen with this? And I was thinking to myself that it's got to be logically somebody's got to come out of the uh, out of the food stuff. Yes, absolutely. Of, Ant- uh, Anthony Bourdain called it. Yeah, yeah, and because of the fact that when you get somebody and they get elevated up to this god status, which chefs are, uh, you know, they're they're rock stars, and then uh, they employ people because they have restaurants. Uh, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't have guessed maybe that it was Mario Batali. Yeah, yeah Mario Batali. Yeah, but you know, look, the, my understanding of a restaurant, and I've, I've never worked in one, but I've had some friends that have, is is that it is a man's world. It is a fast-paced environment. There is no HR department. 
There's no. a lot of fucking, you're, you know, you're biting the heads off of people and you're doing crazy shit, whatever. You know, it, I, I don't know. Doesn't I, surprise I mean, if but Mario Batali, if he steps down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he Bourdain. He has already, hasn't he? Hasn't he stepped down? I thought he was. He has. He stepped down from everything. The Chew, from his, re, I mean, he, his group, I think, has 28 restaurants. I was at Italy, um, his place. Uh not the original one that opened up um, over by the Flatiron District, but downtown Manhattan, the where the um, and where the uh, Freedom Tower is. You've got where the old World Trade Center used to be. You have these uh, like Westfield Mall, Brookfield owns these properties, and it's just a really high end like mall. And Italy is wow. I mean, the number of people that were in there. This is I think on a Sunday night it was so packed. And that's Mario Pedali's a partner in that. Right. Yeah, I know he's got a place in Vegas, too, I believe. It seems like I remember last time I was out there seeing something about that. The I most- met him once. Did you really? Oh, no, shoot. Yeah, I was, uh, I was helping uh, produce a, a shoot. Um, a good friend of mine, Craig, he's a director, uh, was directing this thing for uh, Food and Wine magazine. So... Do you remember they were rebranding the magazine? Um, I think they have another big competitor in that world, Bon Appetit or something. Um, and the editor of the magazine, she called in a bunch of chefs. And the idea was, remember, you know, the uh, ESPN ads where the uh, you have athletes and mascots working in the ESPN offices? Vaguely, yeah. yeah, I do It's the same concept. Okay. So, like, Mary Batali was in there and, like, he was using like a paper shredder to make pasta. Like he was running around the office and he was taking out, there was like a, um, a bookshelf and he was taking out all of the books and putting in his books, you know, but I'm telling you when he showed up, the one guy that wasn't there was uh, Bourdain, very disappointed. He wasn't there, but um, there was a uh, Tom Keller from per se. There were some great, really, really top, top chefs. Um, but when Mario Batelli came in, he took over. Like, we heard he's coming. We had to run down to the street with the camera and the whole crew. He pulls up on the sidewalk on his uh, Vespa, wearing his orange Crocs, the whole thing, the vest. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, go, go. And it was go time. And then he goes in. What are we doing? What are we doing? Like, there was a moment where we were setting up a shot. And he's like, why are we not shooting? If we're not shooting, I'm not here. I'm going. Like, he was like, he, bizarre. Like, next level. Like, just type A. Boom, 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 boom. But was he a dick? Did you get a swarmy feeling? Swarmy, swarmy, swarmy? No, no. No. I had a I had a feeling that if if I'm here, I'm the only one. He's the biggest guy in the room, you know, like figuratively, literally, this my time is important. And if we're not doing this, I'm leaving. Not that he was a dick about it. It's just he had this way, right? So he's he's been on television for a long time. He's got all his businesses, his restaurants, he's ha- fine to be there. Just I just think it's his way. Yeah, I mean well, I I don't know though. That I think goes uh, somewhat with you know you'd have to to you know to be a successful chef, which means you're running a team of people, a big kitchen. Uh, I would guess you got to be that way uh, to make the whole thing work. You know you got to be that uh, type A alpha person that's that's going to be able to do that. So it goes along with it. But when you know when you get to that level and he was where's he's at that rock star high level of things, uh, you got to think that he's he's getting he's getting women that are uh, or dudes women whatever his thing is. But, 
uh, you know, that are uh, knocking themselves out to get in front of him. And then, you know, after that, once that starts happening, once that domino starts to fall, it seems like then they become, uh, a lot of these uh, people obviously become jaded uh, to the whole world and just uh, start assuming that that's the way, that's just the way it works. The the world is theirs as far as uh, sexual conquests and all that sort of thing. So, you know, it didn't, hearing it, I don't really I've watched some of those shows I'm not like a, a super watcher of the Food Network and stuff like that so I can't uh, tell you exactly who all those people are but uh, he wouldn't have been the, the guy I would have guessed I would have, I would have guessed it was Bobby Flay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just you know based on a little yeah bit I don't stuff, know so. you know I mean it's it, I don't know I, I if he stepped down there might be something to it you know oh yeah i mean sure, yeah you know uh there's likely something you you, um, have, you have to think that as all this is unfolding all of these guys uh that are you know have this looming over them knowing it's coming they're, they're trying to get their shit together before you know before it uh, becomes public you would you'd have to guess and it sounds right. like that's kind of what he did so is roy moore uh gonna win the election tomorrow you know in i Alabama? don't uh, I don't. Uh, I, I don't know enough about Alabama politics. Just the little bit of stuff that I've read, but I, it sounds like yes. Uh, I wish that wasn't the case, because that is uh, just disappointing in humanity to see that happen. Um, it, you know, then I, I saw this yesterday. I was watching. Uh, they were just interviewing these people from Alabama, and they were they were all basically saying that you know, forty years ago, that was the standard, that was the norm, that was the way people. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. You know, and well, they they may be right. People in the South, uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not saying that it's just Southerners that think that way. There's that stupid Homer uh, tribal, uh, you know. If it's if it's our side, then it's okay. Sort of thinking, which I don't fucking understand at all. But uh, uh, God, I I yeah, I guess he will. I, the way it sounds. But if he wins, I don't know that in the long run it's a it's really a win for the Republicans. No, I, no. I, I just think I, there's something about it. I and I think at some point the next president might figure out a way to get uh, Alabama to secede. <laughs> can we do that? How can we do that? Build a wall around Alabama. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know I, I was t- talking on one of the recent podcasts about the road road trips we've taken, and um, I have uh, in the last couple of years I've drove uh, from the south end of Alabama all the way through it uh, uh, south to north. Uh, and it was really surprising to me to see uh, when you come into Alabama uh, from both directions, there's a, there's a big, uh, ginormous uh, Confederate flag that uh, they have s- set up in, in a couple places along the freeway. When I say ginormous, it's, uh, you know, it's one, one of those 110-foot flagpole things with this big, uh, you know, just huge, like, uh, you know, 25-foot, uh, probably tall flag on there. And it, it's uh, put up on private land uh there's a sign there as you go by that says it's uh, paid for and and is uh hosted by if you will that some confederate organ sons of the confederate blah 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 some shit like that but uh they're still very much flying the confederate flag down in those in in alabama so uh, it takes uh, (laughs) takes shit a long time to change i guess i don't know it's it's weird yeah, I've never I've never been to Alabama. I do have a friend who lives in Alabama, and uh, I met him on Periscope. He's another one I haven't met in real life. Yeah, 
I do have real life friends. I really you do. Have, you have some people who have actually seen you, actually late, yes. late eyes. And you, this, this, this people from Saturday Night Live have, have seen you, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've not, I, but I've, they've not done a podcast with you. So yeah, this is yeah, no, no, but my, but yeah. So I, the the, uh, the whole experience of Saturday Night Live was interesting. It was it was uh, it's the second time I've been there. Um, the first time was I believe in October nineteen ninety nine. And wow. it That's, was it's, been um, a, it's a wide gap in between. Yeah, I went to the dress rehearsal. So what Saturday Night Live does is um, they do a show. I don't know if it starts at eight or eight thirty, and that's the dress rehearsal, and it runs a little bit longer. The musical. I don't know if the musical guest still only does two songs. I'm not sure if they do two or three, but they do more sketches. So they have these sketches that they're not sure about. Are these going to work or are they not going to work? And if it doesn't go over well during dress rehearsal, they might cut that one during the show. Wow. During the live show. And I'm pretty sure that they record the the dress rehearsal just in, in case something goes terribly wrong for the live show. Um, and if for the live show, I just heard now, so it, it they, they started at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Apparently now they're showing it live on the East Coast. I mean, on the West Coast, because they just figure like whatever they put on on a Saturday night at eight thirty, right, doesn't do well anyway. Okay, Makes so sense. why not just show it live? You know, yeah, and that's gotten them in uh, a little hot water from time to time, I guess. Right. And then show the, it again. Uh, yeah, from the you uh, know, there's. I was just going to say, from the standpoint of if something flies, a swear word or something. Uh, well, they have a delay. They got that. Though. There's a delay. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay. I don't know what the delay is. I don't know if it was seven, if it's seven seconds, twelve seconds. But even so, I mean, it's 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 enough that they can catch it. Um, I was at I was at a radio station where you know they had uh, the delay thing set up at this radio station, and uh, <laughs> we had this dude that uh, was smart enough to figure out that um, it was like a seven second delay. And it had been talked about a couple times. Every once in a while, you're doing something on air, and it gets tripped for whatever reason. And there's a weird uh, hiccup in time where you have this little dead air thing. And usually, the um, the jock would come back and say something about, "Oh, we, I'm sorry, we our, our device got tripped, and we have you know seven seconds of uh, of delay." And uh, so this dude got uh, onto a call and uh, knew that there was a seven second delay and he was smart enough to figure out that if he kept talking through the seven seconds that on the other end he would come out live <laughs> and so he gets on and, and drops an f-bomb he's like blah 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 fuck and then he and then he just kept talking he just kept going fuck 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 <laughs> fuck fuck and on the other end the person that was running the board was too stupefied to know exactly what the hell to do they they'd hit they were just kind of scrambling to to you know pull uh, the the volume up and down on things and they left his uh, his pot open with his his volume control uh for the phone stayed open and on the guy popped out on the other end just swearing like crazy it was uh it was it was comedy then we then we had a meeting that uh that next week on here's what you do <laughs> by the way you know what though okay there's the fcc and there are rules but yes did did anyone really get hurt by hearing the word fuck fuck fuck? You know what I mean? Did, did they get, I mean, one time there was a situation. I think it was during a Super Bowl local broadcast of the Super Bowl, and someone rolled a porn in. Right. A couple of years ago, I, I don't know what market is was in. Maybe Arizona. And we're like, okay, that's disconcerting. And then it's kind of stupid and mildly amusing. I think. Yeah. Maybe. 
in in Chicago, <laughs> in Chicago, I know there's something you can look up on YouTube. There was uh, uh, some dude that somehow uh, like launched his own TV station and interrupted uh, uh, late night Chicago TV with some. Uh, he just broadcast over the top of I don't know, I don't remember which station it was like WBBM or something like that. Just went right over top of him with something and, and scrambled their signal and and uh, it didn't last very long. It was like uh, maybe right. a minute, minute and a half or two minutes managed to do it. Uh, so yeah, it's happened absolutely before. But then I mean, at that uh, particular moment in time, there were certainly rock songs that were being, getting played on the radio, like the Who Who Are You by the Who. Um, I, th- I remember the station I was working at, and we played the the. And it was Who the fuck are you? Who are you? And then mm-hmm. it would say very clearly if you listen, Who the fuck are you? Uh, like th- uh, twenty times in the song, it said Who the fuck are you? Um, and uh, you know that played all the time. Uh, then the, you know the Janet Jackson thing came along, and they started looking at you know n- nothing that had any sort of a swear word in it could could fly after that. But yeah, there was absolutely swearing and stuff. If it was cleverly done, they could put it in. But uh, so yeah, did anybody get hurt? No. Um, but there was every, oddly George Carlin and his seven words you can't say on TV were uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the law of the land, the old shit, piss, cunt, fuck, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Couldn't is it, is it, yeah, you got him. I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah, I watched the Carlin thing enough to obviously to have picked that up. Yeah, but those were the ones. Didn't go. By the way, it's shocking that my memory works sometimes. Uh, I just pulled up an article: FBI busts ex cable company employee for hacking into 2009 Super Bowl broadcast with a porn clip. So, 37 second porn clip. Comcast Cable in Tucson. In Tucson is where it was. 80,000 subscribers were each all given a $10 credit on their bill. (laughs) Uh, I would have paid $10 for 37 seconds of porn. Come on. I wonder who played in 2009. Who was in the Super Bowl? Uh, It was uh, the Cardinals and the Steelers, and the Steelers won. Oh, well, fuck. Give me 10 bucks. Yeah, call it quits. (laughs) Sounds like a good deal to have missed a little bit of that and give me the 10 bucks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the Saturday Night Live thing. The uh, closest I have come to that uh, is I did see, uh, I went to a live uh, taping of the uh, Arsenio Hall show. Oh, really? Yeah, way back when. How was it? Uh, it was good because, uh, well, the musical guest was Run DMC, which was kind of good. Nice. Uh, yeah. And uh, the guests were, um, uh, let's see, um, uh, what's his name? Brenner? David Brenner. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Who was like the uh, hackiest, uh, you know, just kind of like your, uh, let's get a Jew comedian in here, you know. Okay. For a while, that was David Brenner. Uh, and then. Um, Patricia Wedding, remember her, the actress? I do. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, Run DMC. It was it was weird because they, um, when they lined you up outside, and this is in Los, you know, filmed in Los Angeles, the uh, line when they formed the line, there these guys that, that worked for the for the show would come out and just kind of walk up and down the line, and they would just kind of watch. They were just trying to check out who was hanging out with who and who was friends with who and who was talking to who. And uh, they did that for maybe I don't know, like an, made you stand in this uh, this line that wrapped around the building for uh, out in this alley, uh, you know, like in Studio City. That uh, mm, I, I, you know, it was it was it was pretty. I, I guess inside they they maybe got a uh, hundred or so people in in the studio audience, audience something like that. And 
once they kind of figured out what the demographics were is what they were looking for i guess and who was most friendly with who they brought you into this big room and then they then they would go okay you two people come with me you two come with me you two come with me and then they started seating people and so if you if you were absolutely with somebody you know if it me you know me, me and this dude are together they would uh, they would i think the biggest group of people they would seat together would be two you and one, one other person right um but then they they made sure that everybody and they peppered everybody around so they put two black guys next to two white guys next to blah 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 and so they they, they wouldn't let too many people uh, uh sit beside each other that were going to be uh, i guess I don't a know, problem a problem or too white or too something i know it was, it was weird but there was people that were kind of kind of a little pissed i guess uh, were you part of the dog pound did you go woo 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 did you have to do that? Uh, we were by the dog pound, but I wasn't in the dog pound. But uh, Did the rest of the audience have to do that where you threw your fist in the air and you went, woo, woo, whatever. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. You bark? It was a bark kind of thing. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, everybody wanted to, but it was cool because Run DMC actually, um, they they just, uh, you know, they were doing their thing on stage and then they, they came up the stairs and just circulated around they, when they they did It's Tricky. And, mm-hmm. uh, they, I love It's Tricky. I was like, song. Yeah, and I was like right next to you. You know, he was standing there in the aisle, with, you know, doing his doing his thing. You know, it's tricky, right, right next to me. So yeah. Who cool. was who was his DJ? Was it Funk Master Flex or was he uh, the DJ for? Uh, he was the DJ for the Chris Rock show, the very first Chris Rock show. Arsenio show. Yeah, I could DJ, not tell you. you know? I, I have no clue. I don't. I don't remember. I really don't. Yeah. But it was yeah, it was fun. It was interesting to see. I don't after doing going to that, uh, you know the the way they, and the guy I was with was a record producer, and uh, he, uh, you know, he was connected. He knew knew a bunch of people. But even still, with all that, it was a lot of a lot of work. You know, it took a lot of uh, a lot of commitment. Uh, I don't know how many hours we were there, you know, before the thing was finally over. So you, you had to, you know, if you had a a full half day to commit to to the whole thing, because they taped that you know, late afternoon. I think it started. Right. We probably were doing the lineup thing, you know, maybe a little little after lunch, something like that, and maybe you know, like six p.m. or something like that. You're done. So it was it was like a five six hour commitment for a one hour show. I hoped I was hoping that you had been to uh, the Price Is Right. That would have been great. That would have been awesome. I would. I would you love know, to have gone to a game show like that. Yeah. You know who's been a guest on the? I mean, uh, a contestant on the Price Is Right. Somebody we both know, or, or a famous person. No. I, well, Aaron Paul. Oh, really? Oh, it's fantastic. I'm telling you, it's the Google Aaron Paul Price Is Right. <laughs> it is one of the best. I love the Price Is Right. I always have. So this is when he was just average walking around. Just Aaron a Paul. regular young guy. You know aspiring actor did he win did he win the showcase or anything i think he didn't i think he lost his mind and he was like that's some that's a fun likable dude <laughs> yep yeah funny was, uh, so did you end up uh, after the show did you end up uh, hanging with any of the, the yeah well no i was uh so i went to uh i went to the after party and uh man it's packed and drink and eat what you want and yeah jonah skinny jonah hill uh, was sitting at a at a booth with like seven beautiful women. Um, it was packed. It was uh, just I was just sitting with my friend Eric, the writer, someone else that we went to college with, it's someone I didn't really know. I knew who she was, but I've only met her recently through Eric. Yeah. Um, and 
two other friends of Eric's, and they they actually sat in the studio and watched the show from the seats. So it was just the uh, it was just the five of us. We're hanging out like he would see some people. I mean, when I went to the bathroom, and got up, and I bumped into someone like was talking to someone like I was just talking to some guy. It turned out that he was on Saturday Night Live as a writer years ago, like 15 years ago, but he's been running uh, Tina Fey's uh, production company ever since. I didn't wow. get a chance to look the guy up, but uh, like I said, I was like, I kind of recognize that guy. There were a couple of people that I was like, I kind of recognize him. I have no idea who that is, but I, the person looks like I recognize him. But again, it was very surreal. Like, it, even just walking through the hallway, so they have a picture of every cast member, like a like a black and white headshot, like an 8 by 10 current or just uh, going back to all time going back from the very first um season right all the way till now and al franken is on the wall twice because he was in not the maybe if not the original cast early on and then he left the show and then he came back hmm, I so he's the that. only one that's no, up nobody there twice. nobody took us they weren't there's no effort no, to take, take no, his photo down. They're not gonna. I don't think they'll take his photo down. <laughs> Maybe he'll come back a third time. Now he's got. You know, he's got some time. On I don't side. know. I don't know what he's gonna do next. Um, probably keep a low profile for a little yeah. while. So did but, you? Uh, did you uh, try to talk the the pod, that podcast up while you were there? Did you, Jonah, yeah, I did. Jonah I gave out cards. I gave out cards. Jonah. Hey, hey, Johnny, want to do the podcast? <laughs> we can call you. <laughs> uh, um, I'll work on that. I'm going to have to work on that. I'm not that. But yeah, maybe. Maybe if I hit it off with someone, hey, you want to do my podcast? Do do I feel like I feel like telling someone that you have a podcast is like what it used to be like in the in like the 80s and 90s when you worked on a movie. You'd be like, you know, you tell, I, I have a script. Like you're like the, uh, <laughs> you know, like it's the best boy grip. Be yeah. like, I got a script. You'd be like, got yeah, a great, okay. got a great script. Yeah, everyone's got a podcast. Shut the fuck up. I got an idea. I got a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so so the first time I went to Saturday Night Live for this dress rehearsal, um, Norm McDonald, did I tell you did I say this already? Norm McDonald was the host. It was fantastic. It was uh it was after he had been fired. So the when he was fired from the show, I think he may have said fuck on the air, maybe, but I don't think that's why he was fired. I think he was fired because his jokes on weekend update about O. J. Simpson were scathing. And Don Olermeyer Lauren Michaels left the show for a little while. And uh, Don Olermeyer, who ran NBC Sports, was the executive producer of the show. And he was good friends with OJ. So I don't think he was a fan of the OJ jokes. (laughs) But the musical guest was Dr. Dre with Snoop Dogg and Eminem right as Eminem was breaking. Oh, my God. That's great. And my seat. So my ex-wife and I, while we were dating, went to the show. We were in the very first row. We, we sat next to one another, but on an aisle. So I was on one side of the aisle. She was on the other side. And, the, and we were facing, they have multiple, you know, sets. Mm-hmm. So you, you watch it on TV monitors because you can't see every single set because they go from one to the next to the next because it's live. They've got to have the set ready. So we were on the monologue, you know, the 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 host open monologue, the host monologue music set. So I was like 10 feet from Snoop Dogg and 10 feet from Eminem performing. I'm like, what? And the same thing with, uh, it, it was, re- and it's not even what's happening on the stage. It's everything that's happening in between the commercials. When they break down a set, the number of people that are involved moving and, you know, turning a set around is mind boggling. I bet it is. And it's, 
And I think that's one of the reasons why the, that the show still kind of works. I don't think it would work as like a, a recorded sketch show. Like In Living Color, sure, it had its time. It was on for a few seasons. Mad TV, same deal, right? Like it's just like, not that it wasn't as, I don't know. There, I'm sure there are sketches from both of those shows that are just as funny, if not funnier, than many Saturday Night Live sketches. But there's something about this animal, this beast that is, that the... James Franco's monologue, he took questions from the audience. And the people, like, one of the guys that was um, that, that asked the first question was a writer. He was literally sitting in the writer's room where we were. And then all of a sudden, he runs out. And then you're looking up at the monitor, and there he is in the audience. He asks the first question. And then someone else asks a question, and then quickly... Seth Rogen is there. And the whole joke was that, uh, hey, Seth, I, it is Dave, you know, James Franco. He said, I asked you if you'd come here. You said you had plans. He's like, yeah, I did. I got Saturday Night Live tickets. <laughs> Just a coincidence. I've been waiting years for these. And then Jonah Hill and then Steve Martin was there as well. I guess if Steve Martin calls anytime he wants, he can be on the show. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. You know, incredible. So. Yeah, and James Franco, I think it was his fourth time hosting the show. And I think I may have mentioned this, but uh, James Franco uh, directed a documentary um, while he was at NYU Film School. After he was famous, he directed a documentary uh, for school. It was supposed to be a seven-minute profile piece on someone, and he was going to do it on Bill Hader. I think this was like 2011, maybe. Really? But Lorne Michael liked James Franco and gave him full access, and he made a full documentary. John Malkovich was the host, and he started from day one, which is Monday, when the host shows up. All the writers are in a room with the host and Lorne Michaels, and they go around the room and they pitch ideas. And then as the week progresses, the groups of writers develop those, write those scripts, and toward the end of the week, they start to rehearse them, and it goes from there. So it's uh, it's worth watching. It was on Hulu, but I don't know. Uh, I think it's just called Saturday Night, and it's directed by James Franco. So if anyone is interested in seeing a little bit of the behind the scenes of that show, I mean, it is a juggernaut, but it's it's more, I don't know, I, maybe it's the history of it, 43 years now. Yeah, and you know, I, th- I think in a weird way uh, they can thank Donald Trump because I think this show has gotten, it seems like to me, stronger uh, since <laughs> they, they've got better material with, with Trump in office, don't you think? Well, I, I don't know. I, I think that there are fans of the show, but the world is so different now with media and how we watch things that I don't know who watched it live, but the stuff ends up online. I just think that's the stuff that's getting the attention because it's the stuff that's, uh, you know, you're seeing it. I mean, I, I saw something today where um, some Veterans Affair office had a framed um, a framed thing with, uh, it had a picture of President Trump, but it was not a picture of President Trump. It was a picture of Alec Baldwin as President Trump. <laughs> you know, I've... I've I'm not a huge SNL watcher anymore. I, um, it, it's just uh, the, the the whole sketch comedy thing for me. Uh, sometimes it's really good, but when it's bad, it's bad. And it kind of I don't know. It's it's uh, I I haven't seen a lot of him doing that that character, but it seems to me he's not that great at doing Trump. Does or do you think? Oh so? no, I I disagree. I think he's fantastic. Do you? Do you? Yeah, I do because 
I heard an interview with him. He was actually on Howard Stern talking about it, and he's actually a pretty good Howard Stern guest. Uh, Stern's a very good interviewer, but Alec Baldwin is so like arrogant and doesn't give a fuck that it's like Stern didn't get. And now I think that they've become friendly over the years. Houses see, in the Hamptons and whatever. Did you see the, the other guy that was that was doing him before the election? The, the, they also had a. Um, there was a guy that did uh, uh, Sanders too. There was two guys together that that did it. I got no. I don't remember. I'll, I'll yeah I'll find it on on YouTube and send you a, a link. There's there's another guy that was doing uh, Trump, and then they, they had a Bernie Sanders guy too. And uh, I, I'm not sure where that emanated from, but it was it was uh, getting circulated a lot uh, before the election or during the election. Was and, it definitely a Saturday Night Live guy? No, this was not a Saturday Night Live guy. But to me, oh yeah, he, I but, know about the two guys. Yeah, yeah, there are these two comedians. I, yeah. I've seen it before. Yeah, that mm -hmm. other dude to me was like I thought he did Trump like uh, uh, ten times better. Oh, oh, uh, there's um. I don't know if it was Vice. I saw. I may have been Vice, but someone did something on this where they had a Trump contest, and I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. And that guy won. Probably, yeah. That guy. I thought that guy was exceptional. Um, well, I don't. I, I don't necessarily think a good impression should be a carbon copy necessarily. So, what? Yeah. What the thing that the thing that Alec Baldwin said when he did the impression? He said two things that I thought were really good. He said that the first thing that he kind of hooked and got on. He said he puts his lips out. Almost as and leans forward as if you're going to bite the person in front of you. Yeah, you know, just a, and right, and then. But the other thing he said, he said, Trump is like a guy with a vocabulary vocabulary of about a hundred words, and he's always trying to find a better word, but he never does. Right. So, so I think it's more about just capturing that side of it, you know, that arrogance and that sort of just dismissing things and then just, you know, exaggerating it. So I, I like it. I find it entertaining. And it's, and it's not because I like dislike Trump necessarily. It's just, it, I just find it to be very entertaining. Well, he's easy to laugh at. I would, I would, it's, it seems to me like even if, even if you like Trump, do there, do those people not see the, the, the humor and the characters that, uh, that people are doing of it? I, I, it seems weird to me that anybody would sit back and look at him and go, come on, uh, you know, try to defend him, I guess is because he's such a, goofy looking dude and you know like i said the, the mannerisms the vocabulary the uh, just the weird shit that he does uh just it's it's he's such a bizarre character it seems like even if you like his politics you still have to it would seem like look at him and go he is weird as fuck you know <laughs> he seems to be less orange is, yeah, i don't know i haven't seen much of him i don't know even his hair i think his hair got whiter but yeah. i think that happens to all presidents Oh yeah, and I, my uh, my big big bold prediction is that you know people are talking about you know are they going to impeach him and all that stuff. I I've said that I, I think he's going to ride the wave, but I do think that before even if it, even within probably the next three what he's got three years left, I think the dude's going to have serious health problems that to the point where um, it, it's you know he could just face plant at any given time just just a heart attack type thing. Uh, his health has got to be shit because uh, like yes you know. It tears up people that are, you know, otherwise healthy. So, and he's not, and he's he's probably a little too old for the for the whole thing. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see him just, you know, be standing up there doing one of his, uh, you know, one of his name calling tantrum things at some point, and just drop over, and just, you know, that's it. <laughs> McDonald's killed him. He's dead there at the pulpit. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, 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 not even at all. Well, I, I heard something today uh, that uh, his father and his sister may have gone through some uh, 
if not not Alzheimer's, but something. Um, what do you call it? Not Alzheimer's, but the one before it. I'm Just not sure. Dementia, general dementia. Dementia. Kind of. I think so. I'm not sure. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. mean, I probably heard it on fake news, though. Yeah, could be. I think. You know, and there was some actual fake news. It sounds like over the weekend, the uh, I'm not sure, MSNBC, and uh, I'm not sure who the other outlet was exactly. Maybe it was CNN. Somebody they totally ran with a story that was completely false. Uh, which that's so. F- and I, I when I hear that stuff, I'm like, why? You know, it was something to do with Russia, and I'm I'm bad at knowing the details and some of these stories because I try to ignore them. But um, that, I, I'm right here for you because I'm just gonna I'm gonna look up uh, Donald Trump's Twitter account and he'll let us know. Well, it's it's so ridiculous that news organizations fall into that because it just gives him such fodder to you know keep keep up with all this uh, bullshit of you know the fake news stuff that and God it's just so crazy. You know, uh, I was going to say while well, you were at the uh, at the uh, SNL cast party doing all that kind of fun stuff, I, I did make a uh, parent teacher conference since we talked last. So. <laughs> How'd that go? Things different here in Iowa. Um, it was brought on by uh, the um, my uh, daughter in middle school. She uh, the middle school had kind of a shakeup. We had a uh, a friend of ours that's uh, on the. Uh, I guess she's. I'm not sure if she's president of the parent teacher uh, association, something like that. But she had received uh, in her regular snail mail uh, over the week. She had received a letter that was addressed to her uh, anonymously. And as it turns out, this letter uh, went out to uh, a bunch of people, a bunch of news organizations and a bunch of people. And it was talking about the environment at the middle school. And uh, it caused a lot of people to go to this uh, parent-teacher conference today, uh, this PTA meeting, I guess is what it actually, not a parent-teacher conference, PTA, PTA meeting. Uh, And so um, the letter uh, pointed out that in general, these are the problems that they have uh, seen and heard reports of that were, uh, they said were verifiable, even though this letter was uh, was sent anonymously. And uh, the list, here's the list, I'll read straight from it. Uh, In general, these are the problems uh, going on in the school. Uh, Vulgar name-calling, serious fights in classrooms, weapons in lockers and pockets, student bullying, harassment, and intimidation by fellow classmates, female teachers growing accustomed to being called a fucking bitch because it's heard so frequently, male teachers are being called bitch, pussy, and fag, regular comments directed at teachers and staff such as you can't tell me what to do. Screw you. Fuck you. Fuck this. I don't have to. Try and make me. Uh, my mama, my brother, my cousin, my uncle will come and take care of you, bitch. Um, slow or no response from school administration to requests for assistance in classrooms by teachers or uh, paras, the para educators. Um, Students on cell phones during class all the time, texting, using social media, taking videos, making phone calls. Students roam the halls, go into classrooms to disrupt others, hang out in hallways or stairwells as they wish. Uh, When admin can be found, office secretaries go to classrooms uh, on regular daily basis to try to remove students who are threatening teachers or causing disruption. They're um, also responsible for monitoring students who refuse to go to class, who are waiting for an administrator to talk to them. They are called names, uh, disrespected, and uh, the secretaries are the people that are taking the brunt of the responsibilities for trying to keep order in the school. Uh, breakfast duty is covered by a single-handed 
uh, no, head engineer is what they call it, single-handedly by head engineer. I'm not sure why they call it an engineer. Uh, Multiple teachers, long-term subs on a daily basis, leaving, literally walking out of the building during the course they were uh, scheduled that day for because of no support for the administration. Uh, Specific observations, middle school students caught having oral sex in the art room. Middle school students caught having oral sex in the stairways. A bucket of urine was found in the art room. Uh, accusations. Yes, yeah, that, that kid's going to be a famous artist, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accusations of knives, guns, drugs, sexual assaults, fights, etc. That may or may not be true. It says um, a few animals now uh, had been bought, brought into the uh, school for the kids to have something to associate with and to take care of over weekends. Occasionally, one of the pet rabbits was killed by a student during a class, which twisted its neck, and then the student. Uh, related the sounds that the rabbit made to its owner as it's died as it died uh the legs were pulled off classroom uh pet hermit crabs um, oh god head banging in the hallway trying to teach uh blah 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 it goes on and on by, by the way yeah all that you listed yeah. i reacted to the hermit crab legs being pulled out <laughs> oh my all god. of that oral sex what oh, no oh my god oh shit <laughs> <laughs> that's some deranged shit right there. That's some serial killer motherfucking future. Yeah. <laughs> Who hurts a hermit crab? Who the fuck hurts a hermit crab? <laughs> I mean, like, my, my, that hermit crab should just crawl back into its little shell. Yeah. So that, that's, <laughs> that's what it's there for. That's about half of it. So, uh, so wait a second. Well, who created this document? Uh, it was anonymously sent to a lot of people. And uh, so they had who, this. Well, who? <laughs> but I'm sorry. Who is privy to all of that? Uh, right now, pretty much the whole community. Cause no, no. Who who compiled all... Where did they gather their information? Because holy fuck, well, I'd pull my kid out of that school right away. Or uh, I'd, I'd question my kid. Uh, that, this is What I read to you is literally half of the list. It goes on way, way more than that. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the uh, meeting today... That's some gangster shit right there. And I can tell you, because I know a lot of people in the community, that the, the meeting that was there today was attended by uh, a lot of people that um, can afford to put their kids in other schools and uh probably after you like you said seeing what's going on here should um it was uh they had uh some people from the uh district level they they had uh, a lot of uh higher ups within the school system as well as uh, superintendents principals a lot of more there trying to uh i guess account for what was going on and was it addressed well uh not as well as i would have liked to have seen it no quite frankly uh <laughs> I mean, I, the, the, the way I would... Okay, if you're saying that's half the document, all, right, yes, all jokes aside, yeah. all jokes aside, if I'm a father of a child at that school, I would walk in there and I would ask, I said, okay, let's just say, arbitrarily pick one of these. If one of these things were true, I'd have an issue. If all of these things are true, what the fuck? And how are you addressing this? How are you addressing any of this? Are you aware of any of this? And if so, how come this anonymous document is how any of us are finding out about this other than possibly anecdotally hearing about something from our children? And it doesn't sound like these are things that our children... Because I am I know that if my daughter were in school and she witnessed or heard about a fucking bunny's neck being snapped or even a Herbert crab, she would tell me about the hermit crab thing if she saw it. She would be so upset if a bunny's... 
You know what I'm saying? You know, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I still think that the Craig household is a little too focused on hermit crabs. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It's a, I, I focused on the animal thing because I didn't really want to talk about oral sex and, and my daughter. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if it weren't her... Okay, I you see what I'm look. This is, that's why I so, focused on the bunny. I mean, so what what you what you just said actually was pretty much word for word uh, uttered by a bunch of people um, after a, a couple hour uh, meeting, which was supposed to be an hour, and uh, I had to go back to work. I didn't. It wasn't there for the whole thing. My wife stayed for all of it. Uh, the um, the they did. Uh, I guess admit to. Uh, knowing that some of the stuff was going on seems to be a uh, a district-wide problem with substitute teachers they can't get substitute teachers they're short-handed on teachers Uh, they don't have enough uh, monitoring going on in the uh, hallways apparently Uh, the school that i'm talking about is uh, was described by uh, one of the administrators as being a microcosm of america and what he was saying there was that um, there are a lot of very well-to-do uh uh, students that go to this, we have well-to-do parents that go to this school, as well as uh, a lot of uh, the poorest of, of poor kids. A lot of very what they described as as uh, traumatized and dis- disadvantaged kids, um, which they're saying hood hood kids. You know, um, so really, what's going on is you got a situation where maybe I, I'm going to say there's a total enrollment at this school, uh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. They probably got about uh, 500 students at the school um, I would say it's probably about um, it's probably about an even split as far as uh, black and white I think it's probably uh, it's somewhere fairly close to being half black half white you know, and then some you know some you know Hispanic and, and whatever uh, minorities thrown in uh, I think that uh, probably when it comes down to it the real troublemakers are probably I would guess uh, you know, there's probably 20 or 30 kids that are just uh, out of fucking control, and they they have no uh, they have no way apparently. And there's a, there's a police officer in the school uh, that's there full time. There is a full time person that's there uh, that uh, is tasked with actually two of them that are basically tasked with uh, just kind of roaming the halls and trying to uh, keep up with uh, you know trouble is their their main function, and uh, so those as well as what other teachers and so. Um, that's not enough to keep up with this. And apparently the way the public school system has devolved in uh, the state of Iowa and probably a lot of other areas in in the world is uh, you have very little when push comes to shove that you can do with uh, any ultimate, uh, any ultimate punishment. When you get to a a certain point with a kid and they, 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 uh, you know, they can, uh, remove them from a class for a certain period of time. They're very limited as to when they do remove them, what they can do with them. Uh, there's very uh, uh, limited uh, uh, steps that can be taken as far as uh, permanently removing, you know, uh, suspending, uh, kicking somebody out of school, that sort of thing. Uh, so you've got uh, literally uh, a bunch of, uh, of hooligans, miscreants, a bunch of uh, kids that are um, turning the whole school into a behavioral exercise and not a learning machine. And I don't think that's uncommon. I don't think in a lot of areas across the United States. We used to, at one time, not that long ago, not too many years ago, the state of Iowa had the highest rated school system uh, overall in the United States. Uh, Probably still in the top 10, uh, I think, of all schools in the United States. And this is uh, just a photograph, a little snapshot of what's going on in one school. 
So, I mean, you can come in, you can say, like you said, I'm going to remove, okay, if you say I'm going to remove, remove my kid from that school, what are you going to do? You're going to send them to another public school in the same, in the same city? Do you think that other public school, is it that much better? Is it marginally better? Is, does none of this stuff happen at, at public schools? Um, I think it's happening at public schools all over the United States. Um, and I think a lot of it is because parents are uh, missing. They're irresponsible. They um, want to be lawyers for their kids instead of uh, advocates for um, any sort of, uh, I guess, discipline in some case is what a lot of it comes down to. Uh, I think we've got a very interesting first-time uh, experiment going on, and that first-time experiment that's going on uh, involves cell phones. I think that's a huge issue. They did talk about that today as well. It was, it was in some of the bullet points there. I think um, the cell phones at the middle school level, uh, for the most part, are um, much more harmful than beneficial. Uh, I think that... Um, you know, this Keaton Jones kids, I don't know if you saw that video, the Keaton Jones video, the kid from uh, middle schooler from Tennessee that was, it's gone viral in a huge way. This kid that was bullied, uh, has been bullied. Uh, it's millions and millions and millions of views. I think I heard late in the afternoon that the original um, YouTube video that his mother posted had uh, well over 20 million views uh, in a couple of days. Um, that story just repeats itself over and over and over in the United States. I think we have a complete fucking nightmare wreck of an education system going on in many areas of the United States, included right here. So um, what they left the meeting with today, uh, ours was that they're, uh, they're going to do a heavy recruitment uh, here, trying to find volunteers to... Uh, staff hallways just um uh, just parents that can uh, walk hallways and they won't necessarily be able to do much other than report trouble when they see it um they're going to have more uh, classroom involvement with parents if they can get enough people to volunteer uh, but it really comes down to now because this is such a uh, what i would call a crisis situation it's going to come down to a lot more parents in the schools and uh, a couple of the administrators one one of the guys that was there the uh, very uh, i gained a lot of respect for one of the administrators that was there today uh, dr carlos grant um, he uh, was very quick to point out that the uh, the people that are the problem weren't at the meeting. He's saying the parents that are the problem aren't at the meeting. They won't be at the meeting. The right. Ki the kids that we're having the problem with, their parents will never be at this meeting. They don't give a fuck. Is basically what he's saying. They'll never give a fuck. They're, right. And they're they're uh, what he called traumatized. And maybe they are traumatized, mm. but you know what I'm looking at? I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Why should my well, I, why I wouldn't should, give I wouldn't give a fuck either. Why should my kids uh, have to? Why should anybody's kids have to be be uh, have to? Why should they have to join the traumatized by going to school? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, it's it's it's, and I I don't know. I I just think there needs to be a way to corral these kids off. They're they're the troublemakers and um, get them out of the mainstream okay if you're if you're that kid if you're from that family if you're from that background let's find uh some vinnie barbarino sweat hog class that we can put them in some some fucking room in the basement on the other side of the furnace <laughs> let them let them fuck each other up let them continue to do whatever they're going to do yes yeah and right. and uh yeah. that was pretty much said out loud by a few people today that's i don't think that's going to happen well, 
I mean, the challenge is, is we, you know, we can talk about this right here, and then it's like you could easily see how some people can turn this into a race thing easily. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, now the thing is, is that no, let's not turn it into a race thing. Let's talk about the reality of just behavior. Let's talk about and and okay, well, there here's this, but we can't treat any kid with kid gloves and say, well, well, they and make excuses for them. That's not going to help the situation. Yeah, it's just going to make it worse. The, the, and those kids yeah. are going to be those kids are. Sm- quote unquote they're smart enough to know how to continue to do it and get away with that shit right right and i have yeah. no i have no doubt that say like i said if there's 500 kids if 250 of them are are black and 250 are white there's there's like i said 20 30 kids that are that are the real problem their parents are the problem uh and then the rest of the kids white and black are just you know they're golden they're they're fucking great kids they're trying to they they're there trying to you know they're trying to go to school and learn and and uh, there's there's this small core of kids white and black that are causing problems because of the socioeconomics the absenteeism in their household with uh, with parents they're eating lunch uh, and and breakfast at the school they're taking home we've got a backpack pro- uh, program at that school where kids you know take uh, take food home with them because they're not getting fed at home um, I would guess in most of those households, uh, could they be fed by someone in that household if that person decided to spend that money on feeding their children? I would say yes. Um, we have the the, un, the unemployment in the state of Iowa is so negligible that they they don't even they don't even we have no unemployment rate in the state of Iowa. Uh, the last time it was really? released, none. Should be, I should move there because everybody yeah any, anybody that wants uh, wants to work in the state of Iowa there's there's a job for you. They they would take anybody uh, you know and you know. Uh, not that low rate of pay necessarily either. You know, if if you can go to uh, a fucking uh, and you know, obviously it's not a great j- sexy job, but if you can get you know twelve, thirteen, I think they're paying like thirteen bucks an hour at Walmart for anybody with a pulse. You know, you can you can have, you know, your face can be tatted up like a little peeps was. <laughs> do they uh, do they do they pay uh, do they uh, give you benefits like uh, health benefits? I I don't I don't know, but uh, I, do, yeah, who know who knows? Uh, I'll never say never, but uh, I can't imagine that I I'll ever work it. A Walmart. Well, I think here's the thing. I, I wouldn't either, but uh, I have worked uh, uh, retail before. Um, not, not, I wouldn't call it. Um, I have too, and it sucked. I yes, hated it. Yeah, I, I hated it too. I, would, I hated I had, it. I had not a low level, not as low level retail as as Walmart. I worked actually for Best Buy for for a bit. Did you? Yeah, I did. Way back in the day. Way back I, in the day. I call them mediocre at Best Buy. Mediocre at Best Buy. I, I worked for Best Buy back when uh, they were still. Uh, the, it was a completely different uh, idea. They actually there was uh, commissions, salespeople, and they were uh, in a big battle at the time with. Uh, with uh, with with uh, uh, what is it? Uh, God, Circuit City was the main competitor, mm-hmm. but it was a different thing altogether. But at any rate, um, and and it paid uh, for the time. It paid really well uh, for what it was, which you know was uh, you know it sucked. I I, it, I found working with the public there. <laughs> Uh, there's some ugly underside to working with the general public that, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to go through again. But it, I, okay, so you're working at Walmart for 13 bucks an hour in the state of Iowa. Say if they if Walmart's not providing you benefits, there are um, state programs uh, that can. Um, where you can get um, insurance through the state uh, at a very low rate, uh, at a income level uh, that you would uh, right. that you would be there. So there there are programs for a lot of those people. Um, 
a couple years ago, I uh, was through this uh, running organization that I was involved with. Uh, we had a uh, we had to go through a neighborhood uh, that was a pretty disadvantaged neighborhood uh, where our, we had were uh, there was a race that was going to go through there, and there was going to be some road closures. So we had to go through and uh, actually door knock in this neighborhood and let people know that there was going to be a road closure. It was something the city required us to do. And uh, I got talking to this dude that lived in the neighborhood, and. Um, a black guy. Uh, he was a teacher, uh, ex- a retired teacher, a guy that had run um, this local drum and bugle corps, uh, and a real talkative, a really uh, fun guy to talk to. Um, he had a lot of stories, but um, I was talking to him. I said, he talked about the drum and bugle corps, and I said, hey, you're that guy. You're the guy that runs that. that you know, I've seen you, you know, your, your drum and bugle corps. Those guys are great. And I said uh, to, to him, I said, uh, if, you, if you can get your guys to come out for this race and perform beforehand, I can probably get a stipend for the for the group to play that you know i don't know how much it'll be but you know you guys you know they could pay you for doing that that would be awesome and he he looked at me and he says no nah, they won't do that and it was like you know i had this quizzical look on my face like what what are you talking about they won't do that and he goes he goes you got to understand poor ain't poor no more <laughs> i was like what huh. and he goes no nah. he goes uh it's summer and he goes we do things in the summer but it's it's um it's not like performance stuff and uh um he goes it's just it's it's a situation where poor ain't poor no more. They they don't have to work for things, you know, for for small stipends for for performances like that. We don't do that stuff anymore. And he he iterated a lot of other things uh, after that, that gave examples of things that uh, that they used to do that they won't do anymore uh, for small amounts of money and uh, because they don't have to because the, right. because his group was funded further up the chain by by uh, endowments and grants and things like that that, that made it uh, a situation where poor ain't poor no more and, and, and that's always struck struck a chord with me I don't know um, it, it's it's shitty that that these kids have to grow up in these households it, it does uh, but there's the onus uh, uh, that used to exist where the onus went back on the parents to say you know get your kid out the door you know fed clothed um, you know and put them in a school in a situation where um, they are uh, going to be able to get there and learn um, in many instances that doesn't exist and the kids that are uh, unfortunately that are thrown into the fray with those kids when they arrive at school uh, they're the losers um, the other the other 80 percent are the losers and and uh, it's got really nothing to do with race I think it's socioeconomics um, mm-hmm. but did, did- did your did you and your wife uh, talk to your daughter and ask her questions about any of the? Yeah, we kind of went down the list, and uh, she the the way they've got it uh, set up. Thank uh, thankfully, is the uh, the school is set up. They've got. Um, the sixth grade are kind of cordoned off uh, from the seventh and eighth grade. Uh, they've got a different, uh, uh, they use um, a different scheduling system. They only pass in the hallways four times a day, and it's a different uh, area of the building, so they don't see this. And it sounds like a lot of these issues that were going on were um, seventh and eighth graders, but she uh, heard about some of it. Some of it, she was like, oh, my God, I had no idea. And you know, most of it, she was like, you know, um, was like, no, I haven't heard that, or I, I didn't know about it. So I think some of these things that were on the list were probably, um, you know, um, I don't know. Might have been stuff that was, um, you know, hyperbole. Might have been, who knows? Uh, you know, whether it was all of it was true or not. But um, the people at the school, the, the administrator, one of the questions was asked that said, "Were there things?" Somebody asked, 
um, were there things that were on this list that were in the letter that didn't surprise you? And he went down and he talked about the swearing. He talked about the fighting. He talked about some things. You know, we, we, yeah, we absolutely, this is an on, ongoing daily struggle that we, that we deal with. Um, he tried to make the point that some of the um, staff, some of the teachers were offended, you know, like they'd been accused of something that wasn't, you know, wasn't true. But um, uh, most of the, uh, I guess, the, the group feel uh, when he tried to kind of take that position was like, fuck you, you know, uh, if it's like you said, if, if we're finding out about this now, your transparency sucks. The way we had to come come to this, if there's if any of these incidents, you know, if I've got 40 incidents about that were on this list, if uh, five of these are true, then we've got a problem. And if those five of the 40 were true, why am I finding about it? through some anonymous letter and why wasn't there some sort of transparency that, that bubbled this up through the school system whether you have an incident report or some way of letting uh, parents and teachers know about this uh, why does you know what the fuck so yeah um, I'm, I'm worried a little bit because I think they're going to have a pretty good show uh, showing of I, I think I think parents are going to show up initially, and there's going to be uh, a lot of things that are going to happen that are that are going to fix short term some things that are going on. But I, my worry is that then, uh, as things seem sort of better, then the attention's going to wane, and uh, people are going to not, you know, show up to volunteer and do things like that, and they're going to be back to where they were. So well, I, there's there's a, there are so many levels to it, right? You've got the you've got the 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 children who are responsible. Now, if the parents of those children are not coming to these meetings, they don't give a fuck about these meetings. And if they heard about it, whatever, they wouldn't give a fuck. All right, you got to kind of, all right, put them out. Those parents aren't going to change anything. Those kids are going to be those kids. So now who does it fall on? Well, it falls on to the adults, the administration, who runs that school. They're the ones responsible. Are they creating it? No, but they're not working on they're not necessarily, or if, if, or maybe they are, but they're not communicating. I understand that would any of those things would be very challenging oh, to God. put into yeah. an email or some newsletter or to communicate in some phone communication with all of the parents, right? If it didn't affect your child directly, we don't really want to share that. Yeah, you know, you know, what I mean, it's it's not something we feel great about. So you wonder where where does it go and. And have these problems been happening for years at this school, at other schools? Is this an anomaly? What's what is it about this school? This it's got to be somewhere. Yeah. Well, they they have uh, obviously been going on for a while, and uh, you know this culture of chaos thing that's going on. Um, how do you know? Like you said, um, what what at what level? How how often? How much is going on? Unless they have some sort of a some sort of metric, some sort of uh, incident report or something that goes out somehow. And like you said, if you're doing it as a ad hoc kind of one off thing, like oh by the way, we had um, three big fights at the school this week, and uh, the police had to be called in twice, and uh, we caught uh, you know some kid jacking off in the hallway or whatever the whatever happened. Um, sounds like um you know some of these things are going on okay if any of that stuff or killing a rabbit or whatever is any of this stuff's going on it, you can as if you're doing it one time that's really hard because you got to try to formulate the the whole you know idea of when do i do this how do i do this how do i get this out to them to me it seems like they would be so much better off if they just had every friday an incident report went out here's what here's what went on here's here's the you know here's the 
the, every week. Here's the metrics. Um, the, okay, so for first quarter, um, we had uh, 16 fights. Um, last year, we had 22. We're getting better. You know, some way to, to know that, that you know, it's either the status quo or we're improving or whatever. That doesn't exist. So I'm going to push for that. I and mean, that's part of what uh, uh, didn't get uh, resolved during the meeting. And I, like I said, I had to, I had to leave because I had to get to back to work. I didn't think it was going to go quite as long as it did. But um, I'm going to be emailing some people tomorrow. And I'm going to try to push for this, uh, you know, that level of transparency. Get me get me an incident report let me know what's going on so uh, and make it just so that it's something that they do it's just part of the the gig they do it every week and then everybody knows and then it doesn't have to be a, a, a one of these things where they you know are trying to you know wring their hands and try to figure out exactly when they can do it or how they can do it and then and then get beat to the punch by somebody that says enough they heard about it from one of their kids and it bubbles up the way this did but uh yeah and we would like to you know you see you mentioned getting them out of the school system when i and i went off in that rant about where where do you take them um so the, the other option would be you know you go to a parochial school or a private school um do you want to? Uh, part of the reason I live where I do is, you know, because uh, the promise of a good school system, uh, and I pay um, uh, what I would call a, a fuck ton of money in property taxes based on the school system. That's where the money goes, and that's fine. That's great. Um, that's why we're here. That's what gives me, as a homeowner, gives me uh, value uh, as a homeowner. Uh, you know, um, if I go to resell my house at whatever point, if it's in a school district that is a good school district obviously your house is worth more you don't mind paying taxes do you i don't mind uh you know the idea that uh even if i didn't have kids in school that i'm in a decent neighborhood where people are getting an education and um you know we're uh you know we're an educated society so uh it's a conundrum it really is um you know, and private schools obviously cost money, <laughs> uh, more money than the property taxes do. So, and they don't take your property taxes back down. You know, let's just roll these back because you decided not to go to the school that's supposed to be doing its job. Um, the property taxes are still there, and then the the uh, tuition that you might uh, have to uh, roll out. And you know, and uh, yeah, the parochial schools are expensive. They absolutely are, and I'm not sure that they're any better in in some ways either. I went to public school. I went to uh, IS-49 Dreyfus uh, in Staten Island with the Wu-Tang Clan, predominantly a black school. My mom was involved. A lot of kids took him out, but my mom knew that one day I'd be down with the Wu-Tang. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Let's let Mr. Big Voice take us out. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed Unbecoming of Age. Bonus content at unbecomingofage.com. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Find us on social media at Unbecoming of Age. And sometimes when we talk.